0: God has really been speaking to us through this study in the book of Daniel, these first six chapters. And I want us to, we're gonna look one last time, I want us to try to, if I can, take those lessons, and I, and I appreciate you sharing those, and, what, and the other life lessons that God's been giving us, and I wanna kinda of wrap them up in a, in, a, in a life lesson challenge, or a life lesson statement, and, and it's this. Daniel's life, the life lesson from Daniel, is for us to show us how to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope in the context, in the setting, in the dark weather of self-serving leadership. Now, there's lots of other things going on in Daniel's life, and there's lots of things going on in in our world, in our life today. But the more I, I studied this and I reflected, and I asked God to reinforce in my own life, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me in the study of, of Daniel, and what do I need to apply? I kept coming back to the impact on people's lives when those in power, those in leadership, are living for self. Now, it's been a really interesting journey walking through this for me and looking at these different leaders. And pretty much the whole narrative of chapters 1 through 6 is about leaders, right? It's about Daniel and his friends and young men that were carried away and how they would live out their, their life, their responsibility, how God called them to lead. And then we've got Nebuchadnezzar and we've got Darius and Belshazzar and Cyrus is coming next. We've got all, we've got all these examples of, of leaders. And when people who have influence, people that God gives an area of leadership of responsibility, which by the way is who? I heard it. It's all of us. Don't for a minute sit there and think, I don't need to listen this morning because this is about leadership and I'm not a leader. I'm just a, a teenager. All of us have areas of influence, areas of leadership. Every single one of us has the same most important area of leadership. And do you know what that is? It's yourself. That's the first area of leadership is leading yourself. yourself. The decisions you make as a a human being, specifically as a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. I make decisions every day, almost moment to moment, that is leading me. The, the chaos, the pain, the suffering, from the, the pit of lions to the furnace to boy, we're just, getting, we're just getting the impact on a few people in this narrative. But think about the impact on all the people under the influence, under the, the leadership, the rule of these leaders of Nebuchadnezzar and this morning, Darius. See, self-serving leaders have a, have a terrible impact. A painful impact on the people that they influence or have authority over. And if there's a life lesson from this study, as we bring it to a close today, and yes, we're looking at the, 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 the lions. The, the, I don't know why we do this, but we decorate our kids' bedrooms with these stories. Like, like Noah's Ark you know, where the whole world is destroyed, and we put these pictures on the kid's wall. Sleep, sleep well tonight, you know. Just let me remind you that God judged the sinfulness of people and destroy. Or, you know, Daniel being thrown into this pit full of hungry lions. Have a good rest tonight, honey, as you sleep, you know. Let me remind you. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that story. It's in our text this morning. But the big picture for me that I, I, I really want to convey this morning is that Daniel has, he models for us, this, this idea of living by faith, being known by love, and being a voice of hope, specifically in a context of self-serving leaders. Now, what I heard in your commitments, there, it's there, and I don't think I'm forcing it. I really did hear what you, sh- you shared this morning from impossible, to dark weather, to, you know, the, the adjectives that you're using. Why are we using those adjectives? Because we live today in a context of self-serving leaders. Almost everywhere we look, it's hard to find the exception. Look at sports, look at business, look at government, look at education, look at the, whatever industry field you want to look at. But before you're done looking, let's make sure we also look at home and look at our marriage, and look at our parenting. You with me? I am I'm. That I know it doesn't feel so good. It's easy for me. I could complain to you all day long about examples of bad leadership in our world. All day long. I got lots of fuel for that fire. But don't I also need to look here? What kind of dad am I? What kind of, my, what kind of father am I? What kind of friend, husband? Yeah, maybe we should start there, huh? The life lesson from Daniel and his friends, this whole narrative that we're given that Daniel gives us in his book before he shifts to looking to the future and God's plans for this world, one through six is really this idea of what does it look like? How can I, Kurt Pearson, in 2022 in Northern California, how do I live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope in a context, in an atmosphere In a setting where I'm surrounded by, my life is being impacted by, right, self-serving leaders. Much of the the dark weather, as you put it, or the impossibility is the fallout. It's the shrapnel of self-serving leaders, the decisions that leaders make. And when they are living for self, when they are living for their own gain, their own benefit, which have you seen that in the the narrative of Daniel as we walk through it? Anybody read chapter 6 ahead of time? Do you see it here in chapter 6? Look at verse 1, it pleased Darius, the, the ruler, the ultimate ruler, to appoint, here's his, here's his plan, he's got a plan, he's going to appoint 120 satraps, rulers of different, on a different level than him, below him, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators that will oversee those 120, and one of those was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them, to the three administrators, so that the king may not suffer loss. Hold on a second. The king recognizes something, doesn't he? He recognizes that there is self-serving leadership even in his own kingdom, and he needs to do something. The self-serving leader needs to do something to protect his interests from the other self-serving leaders around him. Do we ever see that in our government? Is there a reason why we have checks and balances? They were made accountable. The satraps were made accountable so the king wouldn't suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself, he literally stood out among the administrators and the satraps, the three and the 120. He so stood out by his exceptional qualities or his exceptional spirit, his exceptional attitude that the king planned, his plan was to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, he must have talked about this. It must have been more than just in his thinking because people seem to know this and they respond to it. At this, or when this became aware of their understanding, the king's plans to make Daniel the number one, the administrators, the other two, and the satraps, the 125, 120, come together and they try to find some reason. They try to find grounds for charging Daniel, to discredit him. Why don't they want him to be over them? Because they're self-serving leaders and Daniel is not. And this is going to mess up everything. And so they get together, and they begin to plan, and they say, okay, we got to find something. We've got to figure out how to, to discredit him in his conduct of government affairs, in his leadership. But they're unable to do so. They couldn't find anything. Let's have a congressional uh, committee. Let's investigate. Let's see. Nope, nothing. Okay. Let's have a confirmation hearing. No, nothing bad came out. They could find no corruption in him because... There was none there. Right? That's what it says. They they could find no corruption in him because he wasn't. He, in fact, he was trustworthy, and he was neither corrupt nor negligent. So finally, the men say, Well, we're never going to find any basis for charges against this man in, in this direction. Who he is, his character, his leadership. So what we need to do, we need to have, we need to look for something in the law of his God, or how he follows his God, or how he lives, worships his God. His relationship with God, that's where we gotta turn. We gotta figure out some way to use how he's living out his faith against him. And so they went as a group to the king, they come up with a plan, you've read this, right? Many of you have, they come up with this plan and they go to the king and they they butter him up. Do Do we say that anymore? I'm looking at younger people. You're laughing. No, just shake your head. I'm. I can. I can wear the humiliation. Okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we don't say. I don't know what we say when you want to try to get somebody on your side. No. Okay. Maybe we don't do. Maybe we just do it directly. Just hey, can I have 20 bucks? They. They try to butter. I won't say that. They. They try to. They. They try to compliment him. You know, make him feel good about himself. They what? flattered. There you go. Why didn't I? I'll just leave with that next time. They flatter and they go, oh, king, live forever. The royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors, we all are of one mind. We all agree that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree. And here's what we want you to sign into law. You ready? You ready, king? That anyone who prays to any god or any man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Hey, I kind of like that, yeah. You guys think that I'm worthy of that? Yes. You think everybody should pray to me? Everybody should come to me? Everybody should worship me for 30? Yeah. Okay, I, I don't see a downside to this. Yeah, let's do it. So the king issues the decree, and he puts it in writing, so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians. Persians, which cannot be repealed, it cannot be undone. The Supreme Court cannot unpack it. So King Darius put the decree in writing. If the life lesson from Daniel, let me pause there, if the life lesson from Daniel is what it looks like to live by faith, be known by love, and to be a voice of hope in a context of self-serving leadership, here's the challenge. And I heard it in what you guys shared this morning, which was so affirming. How do we find our voice of hope? How do I find my voice? Now, here's the truth. All of you have a voice. We all have a voice. You say, well, I don't have a lot of followers. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm I'm not talking about the scope, but all of us have a voice. We all have what we are known for. What we talk about, what we love, what we're excited about, what we have on social media, what, all those pieces put together, you have a voice. You might be surprised at how much people around you, close and far, understand what's important to you, what you value. So how do we, find, how do we identify that but more specifically, more importantly, how do I find my voice of hope? Because all it's, it's been through the whole book, it, but even in this first part of chapter 6, it's, it's evident again. Daniel's living in incredibly challenging circumstances, time, and yet he is he known for something. And the more the layers are peeled away, the more people dig deeper, it just reinforces something that's true about Daniel. And so he has this voice. He has a voice of hope, and I call it a voice of hope because all the contrasting voices around him are the exact opposite. It's all about me, it's all about self, it's all about what's good for me, it's all about what I want, it's all about getting, do you hear those voices today? We we phrase them differently. I'm a, a child of the 60s and 70s, and so, you know, if it feels good, do it. That was the, right, I mean, it changes. Anybody remember Miller time? Yeah, you know, we got, boy. We changed the wording, but it's all the same thing, isn't it? The predominant voices in our world and our culture, and it's always been this way, is all about me. It's all about me. And here we've got a guy whose voice is very different. It's all about God. And because it's all about God, it's also about people and serving people and doing what's best for other people. Even at my own cost, even at my own loss or pain, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people. And you guys, that's hope. That's hope. To live by faith, be known by love, and then to live a life that points people to the reality of who God is and what it looks like to live for Him and follow Him rather than living for yourself and what you can get is the gospel. It's the good news. It's a voice of hope. And Daniel has this powerful voice of hope. In a set of circumstances, here's the power for me, is I can look at my own set of circumstances and go, poor me. Poor me. How come it can't be like it used to be? How come it, now, you young people, but old people, you know, the old days, the good old days. The 70s, me on my bike, riding Ansel Hoffman Park along the river with my friends and just all day long now just, man, why can't, man, what a great time. Why can't it just be like the good old days? Look at it's like today. Look at our economy. Look at our health. Look at our government. Look at all these these influences in our lives and everything just seems to be falling apart. Poor me. And yet I look at Daniel and I say, boy, I got nothing compared to him. And yet here he is with this strong, clear voice of hope. So how do I find my voice of hope? Number one, let me give you some things to write down or take note of, however it's going to help stick in your, in your heart and your head. Number one, your voice of hope is going to be birthed, it's going to be rooted, it's going to be discovered in your character, not your circumstances. And as long as you and I go, well, if, if, if my wife was just this, or if the economy was just that, or if my health would just do this, or if the governor would just do that, or if the president or Congress, if the Supreme Court, if, this would, if gas was just cheaper, I'd say that in jest. But, but we, as long as we're looking at our circumstances, we're going to make excuses for us Living by faith, being, a, being known by love, and being a voice of hope. A clear clarion call to hope. We have to move past our focus on our circumstances and focus on our character. Who am I? What choices am I making? Particularly, what are the choices that I'm making when nobody's watching? Now this is gonna come back into this narrative, isn't it? You know the story? What are the choices that I make when people are watching? But what about the choices that I make when nobody's watching? See, we're, we're good. We're good at putting on appearances. An image seems to be everything these days, right? Appearance seems to be what really matters we're pretty good at putting on an image until that image cracks and people begin to dig and they get close and they look underneath the image and they find, ooh. Do You remember Jesus telling the, the Pharisees, you're like, a, you're like a tomb, like if you go to a, a, a cemetery and, you, and you've got this big white marble and you've got these monuments to people's lives and it's, and it's just beautiful and the grass is green and there's flowers and it looks really good, but then when you walk in and you open up that casket, what do you find inside? Yeah, let's not talk about it, right? Do you remember Jesus telling the Pharisees that? You're good at this outward appearance thing, but when we peel it back, so let's peel back Daniel. Let's peel back the image. Let's go beyond just the position and the authority he has, and what did we find? What did they find? Character, right? Above reproach. He's the real deal. What would God do right now, right here in our world, if his disciples, if us uh, as followers of Jesus were the real deal? I'm not talking about all the things we think we need to have to influence society. What if we were just the real deal? No matter what people peeled away Sunday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Saturday night, whatever they peeled away... Whatever we're watching on TV, whatever we're talking about, whatever we're reading, whatever we're dreaming about, whatever we're saying to our husband or wife, or however we're interacting with our kids or our neighbor, no matter how much they peeled away, they got the same thing. What if we were the real deal? I don't know, but I'll say this. How many thousands of years later, we're still reading and studying about this man named Daniel? Daniel? And you shared this morning, he's still impacting your life. God's using him to impact our lives today simply because he was the real deal. You want a voice of hope? You want to be an influence in in this world? Then focus on your character. Focus on what kind of man or woman or teenager or young person you are. The choices that you're making when no one is watching. And yes, the choices you're making when everyone is watching. our voice of hope is birthed in character not circumstances here's my second thought our voice your voice my voice of hope is going to be amplified in suffering sorry bad news but it's the truth if there's all kinds of if life's good and everybody woohoo and you know and the economy's great and health is good and families are solid and marriages are just intimate and man life is just good But what about when it's not? What about when everything feels like it's falling apart? Then a voice of hope—it's like light in darkness. It's like turning up the stereo. You know who I listened to yesterday? Anybody want to know on my record player? you want to know? Tom Jones. Anybody? Tom Jones. And I blasted him. I blasted Tom Jones. You know. And it, it's just it's like that, it, you know, and so the neighbors heard my voice of hope, they heard, you know, Tom Jones. But you, it's like when it's, when it's painful and tough and challenging, like Daniel's day, like our day, and your character is being what God wants, he's shaping it and conforming you and I to the image of Jesus, and every decision matters, that's where our focus is at, and it gets dark, it gets challenging, your voice, my voice becomes amplified. I'm not praying for pain and I'm not praying for persecution, but let's not miss the reality that all of human history, all of God's history teaches us that it's in the pain and the suffering that the voices of hope sound out the loudest. Again, I don't wish pain and and persecution and problems and pain, but maybe we just need, and me included, need to get reoriented to why I am here. And if God says, I'm going to Plant you and give you breath and life in 2022 in California, you're gonna have pain, you're gonna have suffering, you're gonna, it, it's gonna hurt, it's gonna be tough. But I'm doing that, I'm putting you there, I'm putting you there so that you would be my voice of hope. That there would be this clear message that rings from your life, your choices, your attitude, your decisions in the suffering, in the pain. Our voice of hope is birthed in our character, not our circumstances. It is amplified in suffering. And number three, our voice of hope will threaten other voices. So just be ready. We've, we've gone through growing pains the last 30 or 40 years. I can say that, 40 years, yeah. The last 40 years of, of being on staff at a, at a local church, things have really changed. And we've gone through these growing pains of, hey, everybody should listen to us. Everybody should agree with us. Everybody should love Jesus. Our government should. Our neighbors should. Our boss should. All the leaders, all the authorities in my life, they should acknowledge God, and and we should be at the table as the church. We should be at the center there, everybody listening to us. And there was a time, I'm not saying we were ever at the center of the table, but there was a time where we had a voice at the table. At least it felt like it. Does it feel like that now? No, No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like that now. And we struggle with what to do with that. And yet, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was very clear. In this world, you will have, and they're gonna reject you, treat you, reject you the way they did me. We worked really hard for a long time to be accepted in our culture, to be accepted in our society to not be treated like Jesus. No, am I wrong? We have, we've worked really hard. I got a a easy button on my desk, you know, that was easy, the little button. I like easy, I like comfort. We worked really hard to, to fit in, to be accepted. And we forget that Jesus said, guys, ladies, young people, you follow me, you live by faith, you be a a person who is known for your love, my love, and you are this clear voice of hope in the day that I put you, you're going to have trouble. You're going to be a threat to other voices that disagree with God's voice. Are you still glad you came this morning? I am, and I'm glad you are too. Our voice of hope will be threatened by other voices. In verse 10 and following, Daniel learns the decree has been published. He knows what's happening. What does he do? He gets down. He he continues his normal routine three times a day. He gets down on his knees and he prays. For some of you this morning, that's what you needed to hear this morning. You needed to hear Jim this morning saying, hey, we got a prayer team. We're a church that believes in prayer and we want to pray together and we want to discover life together, praying together so when we're singing this morning, there are going to be people and you can go and there's prayer that happens before this. There's, there's prayer that happens throughout the week as things are become. no. Some of you just maybe needed to come this morning and go, oh man, to be a voice of hope, to live by faith, be known by love, to be a voice of hope, I need to be praying. I need to be in constant contact with my God, my King, my Savior, with the Spirit of God living in me. And you know who you are, we know who we are. Here's this man, a powerful influence, a leader in, the, in, a, in, a, in a, what we sometimes say, secular society, a godless society, and here he is praying three times a day, and he does that, even knowing that this new law has been put into place. And he does just, here's the phrase that we need to capture, he did just as he did before. There's a lesson there. You want to be a voice of hope? You focus on your character. You focus on what God is shaping you to be right here, right now, in the storm, in the bad weather, in the impossible circumstances. You focus on that, and you, you, you pray, and you read God's word, and you, 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 you build your life around these disciplines, these practices. Sunday morning, small groups bringing your young people to youth group, these disciplines, these things, and then all of a sudden the culture says those are stupid or those are dumb. In fact, those are gonna cost you something. You can't do that anymore to be a voice of hope. You just keep doing what you've done before. You with me? He just did as he did before. Of course, the men come, they see him, they find him, and they go to the king. And they say, hey, didn't you publish a decree? These guys, knuckleheads, First they're flattering, now they're playing dumb. Hey, didn't you, uh, of course I did. Yes, that was what, yesterday? Yes, I did. Well, hey, by the way, you probably don't know who Daniel is. He's your favorite. You're going to make him number one in your kingdom. But in case you forgot who he is, Daniel, this exile from Judah, he pays no attention to you. When the king hears that he's greatly distressed, he's determined to rescue Daniel. Does that say something about Daniel's character? I think it does. And the king makes every effort, but he can't, he knows it. And so the king gives the order, and they bring Daniel and they throw him into the lion's den. There's not clarity on what this looks like. There's a couple different things that it could be, but let's just, all we need to know is that it's an area that restrains the lions from leaving, and they're purposely not fed regularly so that they're hungry. Lions aren't typically pleasure killers. They don't like to sometimes wanna go crazy. I've had some experiences in Africa. I've had some up close ones with them. They're they're not they're not typically, you know, just pleasure killers or kill for spite. They kill for one reason. You may know what it is. Foo- yeah, food. They're hungry, and you and I are chicken nuggets. That's just the, the reality. That when they see you, they see a big. You know, and me. If they're if they're have I've been within five feet of a lion in the wild, just laying there. Who's already eaten a, a, a female? Who's already eaten, and she just lay there and looked at me, and she, you know, she was kind of warm and she was panting because she's digesting. She could care less about me. Now, if she had not eaten for several days, it would have been you would have been having a different celebration, you know, for me not coming home. You know, I would be the chicken nugget. And so these these lions were purposely. Kept off-kelter, there we, we, we do seem to know that, that there was tactics they used to make them extremely hungry, so that when someone was dropped into this setting, there was no question of what was gonna happen. We know what was gonna happen, right? And, and lions also don't like to tear their food apart. If you've ever seen a lion hunt, and how they typically kill is by suffocation, right? They, they squeeze it, they try not to get hurt, and they squeeze it until the thing passes out, Still alive, and then they start eating, because that 's the purpose, and they knew that, and so they had this method of execution or treating people that disobeyed, and so he gives the order, and Daniel's brought in, and the king knows what 's going to happen, but he says this: he says, "May your God whom you continually serve rescue you, and they close up the den, they bring the stone, they make it so that the lions can 't leave, Daniel can't leave, they seal it. All these guys that are against Daniel, they put hey, I want to put my ring on there too to make sure." Somebody doesn't come in the night. King can't sleep, he's upset, goes back to his room, he, he just, he, he can't sleep. He doesn't have any entertainment, he just, he's, he's fixated on Daniel. And in the morning, when he comes near the den, he calls out to Daniel in an anguished voice. Anguish meaning he really knows what he's gonna find. He's not, there's not gonna be any response. And when they remove the stone, he knows what he's gonna see. Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God whom you serve continually? Has he been able to rescue from you from the lions? I don't know about you guys. I have these moments, and this is one of them for me, where I just, I, I do want a videotape. I want a DVD. I want to be able to go, I want to see his face when he hears the voice. I, I want to hear Daniel's voice, too. I just, straight up, I want to hear, oh, <clears throat> king, or was it king? You know what I mean? I, I just, I have, I have imagination, but you know, I want to see the king, and I want, to, I want to feel his heart rate as he's running up there. And then he says, Daniel, could it be? And he hears a voice. Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and I've spent the night with a bunch of kittens, a bunch of pussy cats. He clo- God. God closed their mouths. They didn't hurt me. I was found to be innocent in God's sight. He just did what he had done before. He focused on his character. He lived out his faith. He was known as a man of God's love and he was a voice of hope regardless of what the circumstances were, that were thrown at him. And I haven't sinned against you either. The king was overjoyed. The story doesn't, this part doesn't end well, does it? So maybe don't put this on your children's nurseries. This is not the story to put on the wall. He has the men and their families brought and they're thrown in and, do you, and you know what happens, right? The lions do what they do. They eat them. They're hungry. Let me give you two more, my time is up, but let me give you two more thoughts, and I hope you're writing these down. God can use this in the coming week as you come back and revisit these thoughts. A voice of hope cannot, will not be silenced by the voices of this world. That's God's promise. There might be a price to pay. He's already said we're gonna have suffering, but you live to be a voice of hope today, and this world, in spite of what you feel and what you hear and what you read on the news, Please stop getting fixated in the moment, in the 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I don't know what, 11 o'clock news. Stop being fixated by the the Yahoo News or the, the, the Facebook or wherever you get your information or whatever you're feeding on. Stop getting fixated on the moment and lose sight of the big picture that God is on the throne, and He wins. He's building His kingdom. There's going to be people that are eaten by the lion. There's terrible elements to the future because people will not surrender to their creator. But God wins. And he wins every single time one of his children, any of us in this room that are a child of God, when you live by faith, when you are known for your love, and you are a clear voice of hope today, God wins. And his kingdom is expanded. Now notice this, i got to wrap up. Notice this last, I said there was two, there's actually three, there's one more. Here's what happens, here's how God wins. Look at verse 25. A voice of hope, if you and I are voices of hope, what it does is it will reveal God to the hopeless. It will reveal God to our world, your world. A voice of hope makes God known. It reveals him to the world. King Darius writes, this is the same King Darius, he writes to all the peoples, nations. What happened to the rule can't be undone. What it, hold on everyone listen up. I issued decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel." Who, 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 wow. Boy, this king is schizophrenic. What in the world? But who is this God? Darius, do you really know who this God is? I do because I've been around Daniel. Listen to who he is. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the kittens, the lions. And Daniel prospers during the reign of Darius, even up to the reign of Cyrus. Here's the win, guys. We may suffer. We may be in a lion's den. We may get eaten. Do you remember the three young men in the furnace? We can, this furnace can kill us and take us home. God still wins. God still wins because God rescues. Boy, this King Darius has a clear picture, would you agree? Does he get who God is? That he's worth our worship, our fear and our reverence? That he rescues and he saves and he reveals himself to creation through signs and wonders? Is that the God that you know? It's the God that I know. That he rescues and he saves and that's what the hopeless need to see. They need to know. How are they gonna know it? They're gonna know it through voices of hope like you and me. In high school, at work, in your home, in your neighborhood, in this church family, wherever we go, a voice of hope reveals God to the hopeless. Here's the question. And I can't even remember what's next. Stephen, is it you guys? Okay, you guys wanna make your way up here? Have you found your voice of hope? Have you? And don't answer out loud. You you need to answer before God. And you, you start by saying, okay, what do I talk about? What do people what do people know me by? Am I the whiner? Am I the complainer? Am I the worrier? Am I the huh, am I the ambitious one? Am I the one am I the distracted one by the things of this world? Or I am the, am I the one that my character, no matter when you interact with me, whenever you listen to me, whenever you talk to me, whenever we interact, I'm the same person, I'm just living by faith, I'm sharing the love of God that he's poured into my life, and I'm just gonna keep yelling, whispering, proclaiming that the only hope I know is found in Jesus Christ, because he's the God who rescues and saves. He's the God that has made himself known through signs and wonders, and he's still doing that today. Yes or no? So what's my voice? Let me close with this. You want, a, you, want a, you want some practical steps, then you need to engage the people in your life to know who Jesus is. That needs to be the purpose of your engagement. Well, no, it's my spouse, it's my kids, it's my mechanic, it's my doctor, it's my boss. Great, that's all good. But engage every one of those people to know Jesus. Undercurrent of everything you do and say needs to reveal that you know Jesus and you want them to know him too. Guys, we've forgotten or we've laid down the reality that people need to know Jesus. We've made faith personal and internal, and we, we come together at, at certain times in buildings, which is fine, we need this. But then when we go back out in life, we keep it in here. Because you don't understand how, man, the, the, the culture today. Nobody wants to hear it, nobody wants to see it. It's going to get me in trouble if I live out godly character. It's going to cost me. You don't get it, Kurt. You're a pastor. You live in this little bubble, you know? Everyone that I engage, everyone that you engage, it should be with the goal of them knowing Jesus like I know him. Number 2, empower the people in your life to love him. Speak truth. Speak identity into people's lives. That means speaking truth into the lost, and to those who are confused, and those who are angry. Yes? The cross is a scandal. The gospel is hard there's hard truth in it that I'm a sinner and I'm lost without Jesus speak identity into people's lives empower them to love him equip the people in your life to obey him again speak truth speak the Word of God guys can we please stop sharing I'll look at you because they'll be mad can we please stop sharing our opinions on everything not everybody needs to have a voice at the table. Not everybody needs to know my opinion. Oh, now you're not happy. <laughs> what do people need to know? What they need to hear from me is God's truth. And my, my challenge in my life of trying to live in that truth. Stop sharing our opinions. Stop sharing what we think. Stop trying to convince people. Let's just speak God's truth out of our mouths. And then back it up with our lives our character matches it and finally boy I need this I'm just going to tell you I'm going to confess openly before all of you I need to be encouraged every day to keep trusting Jesus would you do that for me would you do that for the person sitting next to you let's encourage each other that we can trust Jesus when you stop trusting Jesus you have lost your hope it's gone and you're going to turn to something else and I say this humbly you're not going to find anything else It's going to give you hope. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, that may be offensive to you, but I say that to you in love because I believe that with every fiber of my being, you will not find hope anywhere for this life or the next apart from Jesus Christ. And the good news is he's ready to give it to you. It's a free gift. It's because of his grace, not because you earn it, don't earn it, can't earn it. He just wants to give you life in him. We need to encourage one another. Can you say amen to that? We need to do it every chance we get. If we do that, if we engage, we empower, we equip, and we encourage, you will be amazed at how you change, how much more you begin to look like Jesus Christ, and how loud and clear your voice of hope will become. And God wins. Amen?